0: Architecture Insights, the podcast series produced by the New South Wales Architects Registration Board. I'm your host, Di Snape. Immediately before the 2017 Sydney Architecture Festival, I had the good fortune to sit down and have a conversation with Christiane Ring, who you'll remember if you're an avid Architecture Insights listener, delivered the 2017 World Architecture Day Global Oration at the Architecture Festival. Which you can also hear if you want to download it from our SoundCloud page. But for anyone who hasn't listened to that, um, and just to remind you, Christiane is an architect, a curator, an author. She's originally from Pittsburgh and now divides her time between the US and Germany. She has an interdisciplinary studio, AA Projects, which engages with future oriented themes in architecture and urban planning. Uh, She has a large body of research which explores how densification contributes to improving our cities. And some of that research includes books uh, which she has written, including Self-Made City Berlin, Self-Initiated Urban Living and Architectural Interventions, and Urban Living Strategies for the Future. Um all of which I can highly recommend. She is assistant professor at the University of South Florida and in 2016 was a visiting fellow at the Institute of Advanced Studies at the University of Western Australia. We spoke about the increasing popularity of bagrupa and how people can lead their own collective housing projects, sharing the burdens of cost as well as the benefits of uh, shared infrastructure and inner city living. I spoke with Christiane shortly after a workshop which she ran uh, for the board and for the Government Architect of New South Wales, which focused on how we as strategic advisors to the New South Wales Government might help to promote the opportunity for collective housing models such as Baugrupa. you enjoy this conversation? Um, I certainly did with Christiane Ring. So, uh, Christian, you're in Sydney for our Sydney Architecture Festival. Welcome. Uh, and you'll be giving the World Architecture Day global oration on the subject of housing and in particular a shift from profit-driven development models to people-led models such as that demonstrated by Berlin's Baugruppe. Um, let me start off by asking, what does Baugruppe mean and what's it all about? It's a uh, really um, group of
1: people that get together and it's usually an architect or design led um, and a group of people that get together basically because they're not finding what they're um, looking for on the market so this gives them um, joining forces and basically envisioning and doing their own development gives them the chance to create exactly what they want and what they need so it's a owner occupied, owner driven
0: um uh, development and typically how many um how many dwellings are we talking about within one development well that has changed throughout the years when it Mm -hmm. started they tended to be
1: very small projects um um, basically when two people uh, two groups or two families get together and um and build a um a double house um it's also the same thing you can just look at look at the Group as a scaling up of that idea, so or stacking single family houses on top of each other um, in an urban context. So um, generally, they started out quite small and now have grown to projects that are really quite large, so upwards of 80 units. Oh, wow. Um, but I would say the, um, the most manageable and really good projects tend to be around between 12 and 20 units.
0: And is, that, um, is it manageable because there are only between 12 and 20 kind of partners negotiating the terms? I imagine 80 people kind of trying to work in partnership would be fairly challenging.
1: It, it is, exactly. Mm. And it's only with a lot of experience that those kind of large projects that can be managed and uh, the groups of, you know, between 10 and... And 20 people seem to be much more manageable. It's a kind of a size that you can bring together where decisions can be made um, with a structured kind of process. And the larger groups need to be broken up into um, smaller groups in order to... Or the process needs to be managed in a different way. So, um, yeah, that's absolutely right.
0: And so how many different... um types of groups you mentioned before that um the early projects might have been two families getting together is it always families or is it you know a variety of single um occupants through two large families
1: there are there is quite a variety of different mm. kinds of people um that that are interested in in getting together and, and having more say in where they want to live and how they want to live um, there are groups of people that have a specific ideology about their way of life, um, but, or, or families do play, however, a very big part because they're generally the kind of people who, um, if they want to remain living in the city, are really not finding what they want um, on the market. So um, we do see a much higher percentage of families in these kind of projects, um, much higher than on the normal market.
0: Right. And so what's the normal market in the Berlin context?
1: Um, When I wrote Self-Made City and did all of the statistics studies in 2013, it was um, around 6.5% on the normal market um, of family units that were available. And uh, the Baugruppe just on average had over 50%, um, well over 50%, some of the projects even more. So right the that's a significant
0: change and how yeah. many projects have been built in the Bagripa model to date um, to date
1: that oh, there have been over now over about 600 projects built in Berlin oh wow like that
0: and um, we were talking about um, other cities that have been influenced and you mentioned Vienna and Paris and you are um, obviously working in Perth as well in partnership with Geoffrey London and um, University of Western Australia. Have there been many projects in the Bragg Ripper model built elsewhere outside of Berlin? Um, Absolutely. Um, Actually, there are other
1: cities in Germany that really support this kind of um, development with land. Um, Berlin is not the case. That's a much more independent kind of development, but... Um, Hamburg and Freiburg in southern Germany, um, as well as Munich and Tübingen, some other cities, um, have a really long tradition of supporting this kind of um, development. They reserve land, particularly when they're developing brownfield sites, and look for different parties or they they have a kind of like an open call for proposals, and then sell that land to the the group. but um, they do so in a way that they really look at the, 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 the makeup of the group and look for kind of a social mix within the entire quarter that they're developing. So it's a really, let's say, um, long, um, a, a tried concept, and a concept that, is, um, that uh, the cities really like to use in order to um, found new neighborhoods because they bring people together in these neighborhoods that already know each other, through the whole process of building and so they're kind of incubators for the entire neighborhood. Really um, around the world this concept has been taking off and it's just really a matter of looking at who's doing it how. I mean there are projects in Denmark and Sweden um, in the Netherlands uh, in England in the the UK the concept of self-build is really strong and it ties in very closely with a new movement of co-housing, um, but the Baugruppe concept, which is a much more practical, um, pragmatic um, approach um, is also gaining popularity. But in Austria and Switzerland, the idea of the association is very strong. Um, the association being not owner-based, but um, but a long-term, low, like low rent, um uh, approach
0: right. So what's the key thing that differentiates the Balrupa, as you said, as a, a more pragmatic approach from the the long tradition, as you said, of the sort of collective which has existed in Europe. And I guess on and off in Australia to a certain extent, although not nearly as strongly as those places that you just talked about, what is it about the Balrupa that that differentiates it from those? Well,
1: um, now having uh, really kind of diverse models to look at, um, the need to clarify these definitions is, uh, is prevalent, of course. So um, we started to define co-housing really as when you really have a, a shared common room um, and really eat, um, eat together regularly. Um, usually there's a kind of a, a common room kitchen where the entire... Um, community um, takes turns cooking for each other and really has a a central focus of living together um, and living in that community. Whereas the the Baugruppe really started out as an incredibly pragmatic way of basically building in a more custom fashion way Mm -hmm. and then dividing the project and and basically having your own private spaces. Yeah, it's the strata title kind of that that
0: uh, is the result at the end. That um, and and, that s- and so is that um, that division of ownership amongst each of the members of the group um, is that a different kind of legal and financial structure to say the the older tradition of the collective. Uh, the collective is often like
1: an association. But they can be ownership-based um, um, situations, so that kind of varies um, with the cohousing. Um, but it, it tends to be the more the, the focus on the community life that defines defines cohousing, whereas the Baugruppe, as I mentioned, they started out very very pragmatically, but it, um, very quickly, and I think there was really a shift in society, basically, you know, after two thousand and eight. After the entire the World um, Bank crisis, we've seen much more emphasis on sharing. And but the Bo I think, um, so they've they've really had a look at very specifically what can they share that really makes sense, and how can they do that, and how can they structure it, um, but still kind of trying to re, you know really looking at a balance between. They're having their own homes and sharing
0: things that really make sense. I think that's quite interesting, That and you pointed to it in reference to the um, global financial crisis of 2009. The impetus to share things is driven by a different need. You talked about the projects um, not having front fences and allowing the public to access uh, some of those private open spaces. Is that about... An ideology or is that about uh, a different urban context? Uh, A little bit of both Um,
1: but yeah the ideology is really to create um, well let's say let's back up uh, many of these many of the people um, looking to live in these buildings and these homes are, are trying to create really good livable alternatives to living in the suburbs. So we're talking about let's say what you're addressing with the missing middle here, I think that's a great name for what we really need. We um, you know we can't expect families to want to live in, um, in in more urban situations if we don't provide, the kind of situation that would be good for families. So so what is that? And that's the it's not the big towers per se. I mean not not really. It, and it's not necessarily only a terraced house. I mean we can live in in wonderful urban situations, but we really have to find the right kind of architecture to do that and the qualities. We have to provide the kind of qualities that people really need and want, but that's absolutely possible. We just have to, you know, look at look at these wonderful examples you know how we how can we use these courtyard spaces as wonderful safe places for kids to play as wonderful places for you know for people to gather and you know how can we how can we situate these these urban projects in a way that um add to the life of the city and the surrounding and and by doing so we also invite people in to those because it when you're comfortable in your urban context, in the, in the neighborhood, it's a neighborhood and you get to know the people around you and so there's no need for a fence. It kind of all works hand in hand. And um, so not putting up a fence is also, um, yeah, it's just a way of saying
0: we're here and we're part of the community and we, we, we love the place that we live. What is it about the way that the Bagrupa projects come together that ensures a higher level of quality? Well, it's a, the, I think the
1: main difference is that all of the people who are doing these projects um, from the ground up, they're envisioning how they want to live in their own homes. And so together, they make entirely different, really, let's say, long-term decisions about where to spend the money and how. So on the one hand, they're saving money because they are the developers, they're not, they're they're doing a lot of work, though. I mean, that's not to be ne- neglected, the fact that they, they have to come together and make all of these decisions. Um, they need to put together the financing of the project. There's a lot of work involved, but they do um, do the work of the developer and thereby save money, um, but they tend to invest that um, by making the kind of decisions that um, are in quality materials, but also in sustainable, um, uh, not only building materials, but um, building infrastructure. So they tend to be extremely highly um, ecological um, buildings, many of them to the passive building standards. Um, Some of the the new projects being done now are energy plus buildings. Um, some of them have even tried out new building technologies or pushed these technologies through
0: um, planning processes. Um, you talked earlier about council areas that um, reserve pieces of land for these kinds of projects, which obviously sets up a condition where people can you know, explore a different development model. In Sydney access to land is one of the most challenging things for uh, for all of us in fact um, is that necessary to have a, um, a council that is supporting by the provision of land is that a key aspect of the Baugruppe well in a
1: kind of a economic climate like Sydney which is now let's say equivalent in Berlin um, it it is necessary to find partners that will help in the purchase or securing of the, the land, because land is really, securing the land and having time to get the group together in order to push forth these very innovative concepts, it's important to, 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 to secure the land, and that's really, really difficult. And although it does not, the land price does not have to be cheaper in any way, I mean, they, the, the Baugruppe can be competitive in terms of the cost, but the time factor is is important. The factor is that the, the organization of a group just simply takes a bit longer than um, when one investor comes to the table to, to buy a site. So um, it is key to find partners, um, but this is... For for example, the city has a lot of payback in the simple fact that um, the group that comes together, they, they, they don't have to take less money, but the group that comes together might provide, let's say, um, social infrastructure. They might provide give be giving something back to the neighborhood, and there'll be a self-organized group that that put forth, a, let's say, a good um, building for the neighborhood, and. Otherwise, there are other models, like, for example, that a, um, a foundation might buy the site and then sell it to the to the group, or even uh, deal with a long-term land lease. A land lease is also something that the city can consider, because it's um, not selling off the land but keeping it um, for for the long term. So they have revenue, um, but uh, they don't need to to sell it for the forever
0: early on in the development of the Balgrupa you uh, were involved in a number of exhibitions and public events um, and you talk about the establishing a new standard in architecture um, and that that was something that those exhibitions were exploring how important have those sorts of events um, and public discussions been in terms of being able to uh, promote and help support um, things like new building technologies and um, new ways of managing the financial and legal kind of structures around these projects.
1: Well, uh, exhibitions and and the public discussions, or well, let's say exhibitions, are key for reaching out to a wider public. So when we talk about architecture, it's n- it should never only be about talking about what looks good. Let's say uh, it's it's about um, using these uh, using good examples to talk about a really wide range of of uh, of different themes that surround how we want to live tomorrow and who makes our cities. So um, with these exhibitions, we were able to bring. Different people to the table for different talks, and we were able to reach out, let's say, to people who are interested in, you know, how they live in the city, and they were not you know, not finding what they wanted, and and really interest them in, let's say, being a part of a future group. Like I said, it's not something that everybody can do, but when they start to be open to this kind of a an idea, um, it really mushrooms because they're, they're of the cred- incredible examples and things that have already been done. But key were really discussions with the pol- uh, politicians and decision makers within the city. Um, but not only that, um, finding other partners for securing sites, exec- you know, the investors who would who would part- to partner with to do larger projects. Um, but at first, it was also about speaking to the city about when they sell their sites, to sell them in smaller parcels, even to to parcel the sites in order for you know, smaller groups to be able to participate in, in buying them was key. We, we, yeah, also, the, the, we had discussions with the banks um, to try to get them on board, to make them understand that this was a very kind of a linear idea. It was nothing, it's nothing extreme. It's just several people building their single family home, but they just happened to be stacked on top of each other.
0: And was it, what was it that gave the financial institutions confidence about um, supporting these sorts of projects, which seemed, by your description, to take quite a long time to realise you, know, you know, there's landholding costs to be taken account of, that kind of thing. What was it that made it appealing for banks to be involved? The two banks that, that uh, were quickly involved
1: in these projects and still are the main um, lending institutions um, are ones that have a really high emphasis and focus on uh, ecological and sustainable building. So, um, seeing that the concepts for these projects were very ecological, they um, they were the first on board, and it just proved itself that that it works. And um, and although at the very beginning, let's say um, where there was not a lot of experience of the architects, the the owners, and let's say the people behind these projects. Um, the projects didn't take that long and and now they're really up to let's say the same kind of um, uh, building timelines as a normal project Um, so it was a matter of let's say learning by doing and uh, working out some of the the organizational hurdles and getting people on board quickly enough to to realize the project and now there are just you know lists and waiting lines and you know there's just not enough land available for the groups that would
0: like to do this right so the time factor is not a factor anymore the urban living strategies for the future uh book you explore future opportunities for medium to large housing developments that address uh, a number of different um issues and they challenge typical apartment sort of typologies and i'm just wondering has there been any interest from large developers in this kind of building?
1: They were actually intended to give public housing um, authorities new ideas about what public housing could be, um, and integrate the what we've learned from in the past years of from the Baugruppe. What kinds of spaces um, um, work well? What kinds of living arrangements? Um, they like uh, people want and need that that we haven't been finding. Um, so it was it was meant to be um, a look to the future of what these larger housing projects might might be. Now um, at the moment it doesn't seem that a lot of these ideas, unfortunately, even though we, they were very well received, um, and even by the planning commission, um, it doesn't seem like the private building industry that's providing public housing is really looking
0: to these solutions is it a radically new kind of architecture i mean is it challenging in that respect what what is it do you think that's problematic Um, for the existing industry i just think that it's risk The, um, the
1: unknown yeah that that um they try not to take any on any kind of risk that might you know it, it's it's just difficult for them to imagine um, how successful it might be to offer something different and so um, the a public housing authority is building for the mass public and they say that they think that everybody that they know the people who live in their projects and that they just simply want a two bedroom apartment and nothing else and they don't want to share spaces well if that's what's on the market then they think well we have it
0: everything is filled up and so that's what they want is it asking people to live in a different way or is it responding to the fact that people are starting to live in a different way do you think
1: I think it's more responding to a different or or let's say re-looking at ideas that have been tried before that that had success or, or not but re-envisioning for example what an exterior circulation gallery gallery can mean. And Vienna, the Sarkfabrik, that has done this in a beautiful way where they really have to look at what is the depth of this space? How do they position the windows around it? How can they move it away from the building a little bit and make it into a wonderful, Balcony slash circulation slash slash meeting place, and they make it a little bit larger in certain areas, and then it becomes a terrace for a gathering space, and and they're just that's just one example of how it's just being rethought and done really well to um, to make these places really special. But on this and in the same way, by doing so, this kind of circulation can save an incredible amount of money in the building costs. So mm. that's it's it's
0: combining the two aspects is it easy for a member of a bell and project to sell their apartment does the success of it rely on the same bunch of people living there always each group has
1: a contract with each other and they can devise that however they want so most of the time but the situation in Germany is so that people don't generally sell and buy and it's not seen as an asset but a place where they want to live. That's why they've put so much energy into these projects, and the, um, the turnover rates is extremely low. Um, m- most of the situations that I know of, something really happened that caused them to have to move on. But they were able to, to sell the their, their unit for market price, and that's no problem. Um, there's been discussion about um, how they can arrange the contracts to, let's say, so the group, um, does have some kind of a say in who else moves in, um, who they sell it sell it to. I mean, obviously, you know, for the getting the same price. But if they get to choose one or the other, then they, then they, then they can. But it, that's it's really from group to group different whether or not they want to do that. And if there's been some kind of subsidies that that helped finance that um, the land or or let's say in in whatever way, then sometimes if if the um, the unit is sold very quickly, then the gains are, you know, part of the gain is then given back to the group for, for um, you know, group projects. Yeah, getting back to the idea that of, you know, how the groups work together and if somebody new can actually enter the group, I mean, usually in in such a, sp- I mean, they're just, they're neighbors. So um, if they share things, then somebody new coming into that is received and and becomes a part of the neighborhood there is always the question of what if one person just doesn't fit in very well you know will they ruin the whole you know um, let's say atmosphere in the neighborhood you always have those kind of um, problems and um, I think most people because they're in it for the long run really try to work it out and and work through that and um, each group has their own way of dealing with that, and their own way of mitigating those kind of conflicts. And um, I think that is a big part of living together. Um, and I think also key is that these projects have enough private space that they're not, you know, it's not, let's say, an everyday issue that they have to mitigate some kind of conflicts. It's um, it's more of a plus that they get to um, have all of these these the extras, be it. I don't know, sharing the the courtyard uh, um, or really kind of plus spaces that they
0: that they have, but they don't have to. Um, yeah. From your point of view, what's the most important? Um, what's the most important factor for a successful Bargriffin type project? I think first of all that
1: um, that you can find the land. I think the the land is absolutely key because the best people can come together, the best designs can be envisioned, the best ways of life can be envisioned, but um, if you can't find a site to build on, then there's no project. And so um, it, it's, it, it's really the key factor. How, how can we um, work together with um, investors to, to find ways to develop in a, in a, in a different way? Let's say, um, and, and I think that this is, it's important to mention that um, this kind of development is, is, it can be a niche, um, and it can be a big niche, but it will never take over the market. And there's a, it's, it simply will, um, let's say, contribute to adding diversity for um, a certain amount of people. Uh, and so, yeah, it's really key to find good partners to work together with, um, perhaps Ones who are more interested in sustainability and uh, placemaking. Um, it's uh, interesting, I think, for the age, for aging communities, um, for special needs, uh, for families, but even for creating multi generational mix, and for creating spaces that are more, let's say, flexible and adaptable for for changing needs. And so, when we need something that's out of the out of the box and a little bit less standard to include different kinds of people. And if we need to incubate new neighborhoods, this is, I think, a, a way to go. And it really has to do with um, not creating just a stamped project, but to say, let's create our communities from the bottom up and let the communities be, be envisioned
0: um, by the people who will
1: be living there. What
0: is it about this work that drew you in in the first place you've done this kind of stuff in berlin you're now back in the states and you know moving across and there's a whole lot of other uh, european cities where you've kind of been um you've been uh involved in these sorts of projects what is it that drew you to it
1: well uh, our cities particularly in, in the united states but everywhere we have the problem that um there's just faceless development and often incredibly expensive, incredibly not good architecture that doesn't contribute to the city. And I see, you know, we, we see that 80% of our cities is built. Um, if we don't want to expand into Never Never Land with new suburbs, we have, to, we have to change the way that we build. We need to use the space that we have left and the, let's say, the redevelopment of industrial spaces, brownfields, Um, places um, to provide better living situations and ones that are more suitable for different kinds of people and we need to use every little bit of what we have left to make our cities really good places to live in and I grew up in the 80s mainly uh, where the city was just in the most horrible state that and I hope that that never happens again and I, just seeing the renaissance of our city seeing what the city can be then living in Europe in an amazing city of Berlin to see you know what does it really mean to um, live in a walkable livable neighborhood um, I hope that you know that by looking at how it's done we can re-envision what our cities can be in, in, in an ev- even bigger way and that maybe in the city that I live in in America that can have an effect and and really contribute to what I mean people want that people want to that but they just it's just hard to put the, the the steps in place and I hope that this can be one key step to look at how we develop our cities that can have a really big effect on
0: on how, how livable and wonderful our cities are for in the future Thank you very much, Christian Ring, for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, it's been a real pleasure and a privilege. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And that was Professor Christian Ring um, just before last year's 2017 sydney architecture festival thank you for listening to architecture insights you can hear more episodes on our soundcloud page give us a like that'd be great Uh, you can follow us there and if you're interested in what we are interested in then you may also want to listen to some of the other podcasts that we post um, from time to time that we share from time to time that other people have produced on our soundcloud page thank you again for listening